Blog Talk Radio.
Nope, ain't nothing like them. Back again, brand new show. Welcome to We Are Everyday People, Global Internet Radio Network. Uh, before we go any further, before I say anything else, I want to say that uh, I expected to have Mark Gordon of the legendary Andre group, Levert. Uh, we had been uh, collaborating uh, up pretty much until late last night, and I never got the final confirmation. I don't. Uh, well, the bottom line is I haven't got final confirmation, and I haven't uh, gotten the, the call yet uh, to come into the studio. So, and that's fine. I mean, I'm just a little guy. Uh, who knows? Maybe he might call. I hope if he's listening, and just wanted to tune in first before he dialed up. Uh, Mark, if you listen, better call on in. I'm ready for you. I've done my homework. Until uh, then, we'll go on with the show. Uh, like they say, the show must go on. The show will go on. And we still have a great show for you. So uh, if by chance you have been tuned in to check out Brother Mark Gordon, still got something, something good coming up for you, something educational for you. Uh, hopefully uh, I can get a hold of Mark and get him to come back at another scheduled time. If he calls in this evening, then the show will go on. Uh, it, but like I say, the show is going to go on. Uh, I do want to thank last week's guest, uh, Brother Lee Lavender, Brother Reverend Lee Lavender, uh, great interview, great heartfelt, uh, conscientious brother. And uh, if you didn't see that show, I suggest you go into the archives. You can catch it on blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash Keith Bledsoe. You can actually pick up all of my shows. Uh, you'll, you'll see that the dates on him. He's on uh, part four of South Shore Taj for Life uh, just last week. Also on that same show was the Dynamic Sister, uh, owner of... Uh, Melvin and Associates IT consultant uh, company, Tomia Melvin, another great interview, very enlightened uh, lessons as far as uh, the path she took to owning her own business and doing herself and just some really good uh, ideas and fundamentals as far as the corporate America and how she came through to do as well as she's doing right now. Uh, both great interviews. Today, uh, we were going to have, like I say, uh, Mark Gordon, but uh, we're going to go on and move further. Uh, we have a brother that I'm going to have on uh, in a few minutes, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about mortuary science. Uh, we're not going to talk about you know troubling deep gory details. We're going to talk about the conscientious side, the sciences, a brother who deals with the end results of these uh, violent problems that we have in our inner cities. We read about it in the newspaper, and we turn the page. We might see something on the news, and we'll turn the channel. We might see a picture on the Internet, and we'll uh, change the web page. But this brother is witnessing uh, this a little further down the road with his own eyes. And I'm looking forward to discussing uh, this, this whole field, you know, what, what uh, path you take to get there, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good conversation. So if you tuned in, just stay tuned in. And I'm going to take a short break and get brother on the line, and then we're going to go right into it. Uh, we will have some of the interviews from the South Shore Class 75 four-year reunion picnic. We'll be hearing from uh, brother Dwayne Bailey. We'll be actually hearing from Candy Gray also. And for having him on the on the guest list today, he will be the who I'll be getting on. He is the special guest today, and uh, we will hear both those and perhaps uh, maybe one or two more. But you all just hold tight. Uh, 
you know what? Hold on one second because tell you what, hold tight. We're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, I do have a call coming in, and we'll see who it is. But you all just hold hold tight with me, and I will be right back. I really will. One second.
I am back, and guess who called while I was jamming with Earth, Wind, and Fire? I have on the line a brother who I've always uh, admired and loved, uh, this group, old school group. I remember the first time I saw them on stage. I'm gonna, when I bring them on, I'm going to actually remember this day. It's kind of bizarre, but I tell you, they locked that house, and uh, I've been, I've been uh, in love with this uh, group of brothers ever since then. Music, the way we don't get it right now, unfortunately, we like to used to. But without further uh, waiting, I'm going to bring on uh, this brother here who is a singer-songwriter, the producer, and co-founder of the legendary, soon to deservedly, hopefully, be Hall of Fame, R&B group, Levert. Let me get him on here. Boy, sorry. Brother Mark, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing, man? So glad to have you. Honored to have you on the show. Uh, I, I saw that you, you didn't hear some of what I was saying. I just happened to look over and saw that you were in the uh, in the guest room there. But I have you on here now, and I, I really, really appreciate I'm humbled by you taking the time to come on the show. Oh, no problem. Thanks for the invitation. Let, let me ask you something. I, I was just saying, I remember the first time that I saw LaVert. I, I, first of all, I remember your first album, I'm Still, which was, to me, you know, it sounded so much like the OJ. And then I looked at the cover and saw LaVert, and I knew of Andrew LaVert, and I said, oh, man, this is beautiful. They can take this, you know, Another generation, and uh, I remember seeing you the first time. You were in Chicago. You were at, I believe it was Maywood Racetrack, and it was a big, big, uh, supposed to be a big show, but as it turns out, whoever had the show didn't market it properly, and uh, Eddie, Eddie Levert eventually came out and said they wouldn't be able to come on because the man with the money wasn't nowhere to be found type of thing. Do you remember anything like that? Uh, man, that, that you don't remember that. If- it was a while. No, not while. right off. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's years. <laughs> it was a while ago, but you, but but he, but they did. He did gather enough money. I ever done it because Phyllis Hyman was to be on the be on there. The Ransdale group did come on. I believe Ashton Simpson was supposed to be there. But you guys came on, man. This is when Casanova was, I believe, right there at the top. And man, you all rocked and rocked and rocked. Uh, and and the, the moves that you all had, the choreography that you all had, was uh, just just awesome, man. And I'll never forget that show, and I'll never forget the family the reunion shows that you had with the OJs at Merrillville, Indiana. But uh, you, you guys oh, were yeah, class, Maryville. man. Yeah, Merrillville. You, you yeah, remember Maryville that show? Maryville was one of our favorite stops. So yeah, yeah you, I could tell. Uh, yeah, you always you, you always came around Thanksgiving, and uh, I'll never forget one show. I actually took my parents, man, and that, that, you all gave them the time of their lives, man. It was just it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But let me ask you this: for and we we have some callers lined up to to come on, and uh, I'm sure they want to talk to you, man. I I don't blame them about kind of pumping it up uh, that you'd be on the show. But for, for those who don't know. When did this all begin? When when did when was the seed planted for this dynamic group of Earth? Um, it was just really like an introduction. Um, my mom took me over when I was young, and and we connected from there. And um, they had a they had a piano in the foyer, um, uh, at the at the Geralds and Sean's house and I played it 
And uh, so it was just like a, you know, it was a match after that because we had, you know, similar interests. You know, I didn't really know much about, um, I knew, you know, OJ's music to a degree, but I didn't know all the music and I didn't really know, you know, who's who was who, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And at the time that I, you know, at the time that I had uh, met Gerald and Sean, um, Eddie wasn't there. Um, but it, it happened later on because I ended up being over there all the time. And, um, um, you know, it was just a, it was a match because we had the similar interests and we loved the music so much that, you know, we just became uh, writing partners and, and producing partners and, and, and we was able to come up with these songs um, that, you know, it just took some time for us to develop it because, you know, all the all of the years, it didn't just happen autom- automatic. And, uh, you know, because Eddie... You know, Eddie was being crucial and he uh or critical and he he would tell us no all the time. So, um, you know, is is one time he said yeah and then it was a go from there. And uh we we kept moving from there, but we was always you know, rehearsing and uh practicing or putting together music. So, it 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 uh it formed our our chemistry and bond. And you, and you can feel it with and you guys. That, uh, back. Go ahead, Brother Mark. Go ahead, man. Uh, no, I was going to say, and that, you know, that was, our. I'm Still, um, the single I'm Still was our first independent. Yeah. That was on an independent uh, um, label that Eddie and our manager at the time, Harry Coombs, had put together because the labels, the labels, you know, all the major labels had turned us down. Um, but, and, uh, you know, what I was told later on that the late, some of the labels didn't want to step on the OJ's toes or they didn't know what to really do with us. You know, we were young, but we were, we sounded like, right. some, you know, like you said, you sound like the OJ's, but, you know, oh, wow. was, was, was there room for another OJ's, you know? So they just kind of like, right. well, we don't know what to do. So we end up, uh, they end up putting together the independent record and, and, uh, and released Stop Steel. And then that kind of springboard everything from there. And, you know, used a few connections. We got on Soul Train and did Soul Train. Don Knees, you know, put us on and, and uh, a lot of things happened from there. And until we, until we, and we did shows and opened up for different uh, major acts. And uh, so one show we did in D.C. and they, and the head of the R&B division of Atlantic was there and he said he was going to sign us. And that was kind of like the start of the Atlantic uh, role. At what point, was there a particular time when you, I know you you, you, always, you have to have confidence when you're doing what you do, and you got to feel good about what you do. But was there any particular time where you said, "Damn, we got this. We we, we got this. We, we we're bad. We're good." Was there a particular point? Did it happen on on stage, just from the fans' reaction to your performance? Was there a point to where you just had to look in the mirror and say, "Man, we doing we doing what we doing this right. We got this." 
I mean, it was probably a lot of those um, times that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that that kind of happened because it, it because it was something new, especially for me, that um, so every every experience was new, you know, taking a major photo shoot, doing a video, you know, um, we in the studio with different producers, um, you know, so a lot of stuff really started um really started uh started you know had me looking like man you know like is this really happening you know what i mean it's it's something that we worked on but i didn't know the magnitude of it at the time while we were working on it it was just like you know i didn't know what to make out of i knew that you know eddie and them were they were stars so you know, it wasn't uh, something that I could relate to because I've never been there, you know. And and even just seeing it, you know, uh, it, it, it it was like, wow, that's, you know, you don't really know all that goes into it uh, when, you, when you haven't done it. And so that's something that we worked on for, like, every day and night and until – and it was actually a a show that got us signed. So, like I said, that show mm-hmm. that we did in in DC, and uh, it was for a local DJ, and um, and it was all kind of industry people there. And they and he said he was going to sign us. And that next week we had a contract, and um, wow. and that's how it happened. Wow. So. Did you ever look at the OJs as, as international stars, or were they just kind of regular people to you? Did you, did you ever look at look up to them like that, or were you just right around them so long, but just like regular everyday people? I mean, it was just regular every day. I mean, it was, um, you know, like I said initially, I heard OJ's music, but couldn't relate to, you know, initially when I when we met, me and Gerald met, you know, I couldn't relate to. Um, exactly who the OJs was. You know what I mean? I knew yeah. some of the music, but I've never seen them up close and personal like that uh, until we did meet. And when that happened, it, you know, it was still just like, oh, you know, it didn't really, you know, maybe because I was just young uh, at the time, but it didn't, uh, it, it didn't, Seem like oh he's a star you know what I mean even though yeah. they they yeah. lived uh, they 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 lived in a a big house and had all the amenities and everything uh, so that was kind of the evidence that okay he must be doing something but I didn't really equate all of that to it being uh you know like like oh he's he's a you know huge star or something like that it was just regular you know and we did regular things and and uh you know so that's how it was i tell you I, ever since uh i started co- collaborating with you and planning this show i've been going back and watching uh videos i, I happened to come across one on our senior where you guys were on uh with heavy day singing i'm cool man you, i tell you brother yeah. I, I i don't know what's happening with you and what happened today but i tell you I, I i'm old school all the way and i'm always going back that just brought man back so many memories I'm going to say we have some callers on. Callers, if you just want to hold on and listen, or if you want to chime in, you have a question or comment, 
what you have to do is press number one. So I'll see that you're you're there. If you want to chime in, and I'll pull you in. Uh, if you don't hit number one, and I see that, then I'll assume you're just listening, and I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, so tell you what, if we can take uh, no, we're going we're going to keep on going. Now you, can, now you can't have a show. I, I've actually listened to a couple of other interviews before this one. Uh, and, of course, you, you can't have an interview with Mark Gorin of LeVert without, and I don't want to go too far into it because everybody knows the situation. Everybody knows the untimely, uh, you know, passing of Gerald and, and really the untimely passing of Sean. And I know that any time you do an interview, that you all, that you, I know you're prepared to kind of tab into that a little bit. Not, so I don't, I don't want to take you too far into that. But you have, as, as a result of that, I know that you had uh, formed a movement, which is called Sean's Law, based on uh, the inappropriate handling of him. In the yeah, um, Sean was um, he was uh, taken to the facility, taken to jail, and uh, it was a you know everything was being was in process of being worked out. And so while he was there, they took his medication, which he was prescribed Xanax. Um, And, you know, I didn't really know the magnitude of what that was at the time. Um, But he told me about it. And, um, you know, he told me that it makes him sleep good and how it makes him feel after he don't take it. And, you know, so I knew that he would, you know, kind of, go through some things if he didn't take it. But anyway, while he was there, they took the medication and they didn't administer anything else, um, either a, a substitute or anything to, um, you know, it's, it's one of those drugs that you just can't stop taking cold turkey. And um, and that's what happened. They never administered anything, and he he went through withdrawals heavy and he um hallucinated um kicking screaming crying um yelling all of that and um they restrained him uh parts of it is on youtube um the jail system wanted to you know they put it out there which i was surprised at but they put it out there and they wanted people to know that he wasn't being mistreated this that and the other but you know him not getting that medication was the mistreatment. And um, exactly. so basically that spawned a, what really, what what made that movement, uh, what started that movement was the fact of knowing the what the, what the uh, rules, the regulations of the jail. So basically the facility, at least according to this, this county, that county there, um, they, um, uh, they they wouldn't see a doctor within uh, two weeks, so there was a two week window before a doctor would even see an inmate, wow. a person yeah. that just come in. So it's it's kind of like it's backwards to me, and that's what spawned Sean's law is because of that. It's like, well, what, if you're taking control of people's lives, then why are you waiting for two weeks to see what's wrong with them? See if they have it. You don't know what they have. They can come in and infect everybody in the in the place, you know. 
And um, so I didn't understand that 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 law. And um, what I was told was that to change what the rule was would cost a lot of money and this, that, and the other. So it was really more about the money as opposed to what was right. And that's what that's where um, Sean's law came. It's like, yo, y'all need to see, you know, a doctor need to see everybody as they come in. Because you don't know what's going on with them, you know. Exactly. And uh, so, you know, in in the process, you know, there was a lawsuit. Uh, Sean's wife filed a lawsuit against the county. And um, anyway, they ended up selling out of court. And um, and uh, and that's how it went. But, you know, at, at, the, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, that's a heck of a place to to be in without medical attention. And then what tops it off is the fact that the nurse actually talked to a doctor from her, you know, from her affidavit, what what was read in the about her interview with the, um with the uh with the investigators was that she did talk to a doctor on the phone and he did tell her to give Sean something to calm him down, which anybody who knows about drugs and she was a nurse, so she should know, but anybody that knows about drugs, if they, you know, going through something, they going through withdrawals then give them something to kind of cool them out, you know, give them yeah. something. And, uh, she decided on her own that she wasn't going to give Sean, uh, any, preferential treatment so that right there you know just blew the, blew the case up and yeah, uh, I remember that uh, comment so, I remember hearing her make that comment yep. yep yeah so so that's what happened but in in the you know that these two incidents made me look deeper into prescription drugs, and just a whole scene of drugs. You know, um, we've had the, you know, people have the misconception that you get the drugs from a doctor and it's okay and, you know, you just take it when it's prescribed. You know, what's the directions say? You take it like this and that and everything is cool. But you're not really understanding what these drugs is doing to your body and a lot of these drugs. So I started researching, and 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 I found out that the drug usage in uh, the country is is the number one killer: accidental overdose, accidental death um, from drugs, or even mental illness, suicide, is the number one killer in the country. So that uh, made me think about that, and, and I kicked off a foundation called Soul Foundation, spelled S-O-E-L Foundation, and uh, it's an acronym for Saving Our Entertainers' Lives. So I'm thinking that there's a lot of people that don't know about what's going on with prescription drugs or illicit drugs. They think, you know, it's... You know, uh, a lot of a lot of times people are 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 
are chasing or running away from uh, problems or issues, stress, um, and um, and you know this is their their remedy, and uh, so the foundation is 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 there to bring awareness. I've been doing forums with different uh, other organizations and, you know, trying to take it to a national level just to go to different communities and and get this information. In order to reach the Magic Jack customer from the phone you are using, they must have previously placed a call to you on this phone. Hello? Please have the Magic Jack customer call you on the number you are currently calling from, and you will then be able to place calls to them from your phone. Thank you for using Magic Jack. In order to reach the Magic Jack customer from the phone you are using, they must have previously placed a call to you on this phone. Please have the Magic Jack customer call you on the number. The Magic Jack customer you have called is unavailable to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Okay. Unmuted. Brother Mark. Brother Mark. I I don't know what I don't know what the heck happened. I know I had this problem a couple of months ago, and this this is just getting kind of ridiculous with this with this station here. Yeah, I don't I don't know what happened there. I don't even know where yeah. I was at. But um, yeah, so that's um, that's where everything. Uh, um, yeah, you were kind of going think, into Sean's. Well, you you were talking about the prescription drug situation, and I was going to go into. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah, you have another you have another movement called uh, a soul S O E L that that uh, is, is related to that. Is that that's that's still uh, moving and progressing. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So that's what kind of you know sparked soul was Gerald and Sean because they both passed from um, prescription medication. Gerald was prescription and and over the counter medication combination. And uh, Sean was the lack of getting his prescription for, you know, um, having withdrawals. And, um, you know, it just shows you how dangerous that drugs are and uh, the misconception that, you know, you, you get a you know prescription from a doctor and, it's, and you, you are right, it's good for you. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of hidden things that you're not aware of if you take it wrong or if you don't, you know, uh, take it as prescribed, then um, there there could be all kind of other complications just with that. Plus, you know, if, if they research what it does and I guess what they expect it to do for you, but the research doesn't cover everything. So, you know, a lot of times if you uh, watch TV and you see the commercials about, um, you know, take this, take that, and one of them that come to my mind is Zoloft, 
because I know that it's, uh, that's just one I can remember. But you see all the side effects that comes along with it. And these are some of the dangers because it affects people differently because of their body and, 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 and their chemi- chemical um, makeup. And um, so you don't, they don't, there's no, there's not exact, exact scientific proof all the time about certain drugs, but they approve them. And, um, you know, next thing you know, you're having complications with something else because it may help whatever is supposed to help, but it's harming something else. Well, so is there, uh, is it, as far as that particular movement is concerned, are you, are you looking for people to become involved with that? Is there a way to get involved with that? I know that you had uh, some – are you still trying to take it around the country and whether you have a roundtable panel to discuss this issue and so forth? Is that yeah, where you're uh, at now? Just did, yeah, just did one in Atlanta. Uh, just did one in Atlanta like two or three weeks ago uh, in Fulton County. And I'm uh, doing another one this uh next couple of weeks in Atlanta at a music convention, um, the WSAATL convention, Writing Sessions of America. And and, um, so I'm I'm doing the panel there um, talking about health, mental health, because there's a lot that goes into being in the business is not just what you see on TV, as you can see, and 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 some of the news stories about different artists or even just regular people that um, you know couldn't withstand the pressure or the um, yeah. stress. You know, um, there's a lot that's involved with it, and a lot of times, you know, being young, you you're just kind of focused on, okay, you got a show, you're doing the next show, you're going to the after party, you're going here, you're going there, so you're moving around. It's a lifestyle that, you know, you never really know everything that's going on behind closed doors, but um, it's it's a lifestyle that that can be tiring, and and it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of pressure to try to maintain your level of, you know, um, status where you are, right, you know, right. in the charts and what you what you're doing, whether your song was a hit this year or last year, you know, are you going to be able to come back just as strong next time? So these are things that's always going yeah. on, and if you don't, you know, then that could be, you know, a whole another effect on you. And uh, different people take it different, you know. And that uh, is interesting. You know, I mean, we've seen some of our biggest you know, entertainers fall um, because of these very issues. And, you know, to the public, it's like, well, why, you know, this person had everything, you know, why would they want to do this? Or why would they want to, you know, uh, uh, take drugs? Or why would they want to kill themselves, you know? And uh, if, if, um, you know, it's bigger than... You know than uh, what you think, and 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 uh, it's just no, it's no easy way to, you know, uh, address all the things 
main things that I try to stress in the yeah. forums is is having a good foundation and people that you can count on that's going to be there to be your soundboard, you know, and um, kind of keep you grounded, you know, because it's easy to, you know, fly off and be somewhere and <laughs> and you, uh, you know, on a whole nother page, you know, but... Um, yeah, Speaking of that, so brother Mark, let, let, let me ask you this. Speaking of that, when you, what is it like, because I always say, man, these guys they shop, they move, and they they they're good looking guys. They you know they got they they got the steps together. They sound really good, and the women are just throwing themselves at you, man. And I'm saying, man, I sure like to experience that. But I imagine that could be a little cumbersome, cumbersome and a little overkill too. Is, is, is that correct, or is it something you just can't get enough of? Well, I mean, you know, like I say, everybody handles things differently, True. but it Good can point. be yeah. a problem, you know, it, it can be a problem um, because, you know, every woman that you encounter is not, not great for you, you know, every one of yeah. them is not, uh, you know, just because they the opposite sex or you, you feeling them doesn't mean that they always good for you. Uh, there's been well, many true. incidents on the road where band members and different people that's 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 rolling with us that's been taken by women. They wake up in the next morning and and all their stuff is gone. So Wow. Uh, you know, there's a lot of you know, it's a lot of a lot of things like that. And a lot of times guys is when they, especially when they new and green to the to the scene they're they're trying to be impressive, and they're trying to do certain things, and some some things is not good for you, you know. And this is this is also how, you know, the peer pressure of, you know, going into the drug scene and 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 that kind of thing because, you know, so and so is doing it, or or we just have fun and we you know we kicking it and, you know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of you know roadblocks and dangers in this business because there's nothing that you can't get in any city um, when you're on the road. When you're on the road, it's just like, oh, so-and-so in town, yeah, they want this, they want that, they want these girls, they want, you know, it's just, it's there. It's available. Everybody's on standby. It's too easy, huh? Too easy. Yeah, it's it's, it's too easy. All money ain't good money. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, like you say, you get somebody in there who's green and who's just kind of gung-ho and just trying to live in that fairy tale lifestyle, man. I just see so those are probably the ones you say woke up and didn't have anything there with them. I take it. That, that's, 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 that's something, man. I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna, I also want to talk about Lavert 2 that, that you have uh, going on right now, but I want to ask you about today's music. And what's your opinion on, on today's music? Uh, and I call it so-called music because... I just uh, to me it's no school like the old school. It's almost like our uh, groups, especially male groups say, such as Levert, who are who are together, who are united, who are choreographed, uh, who wasn't wasn't no east west thing going on. It was harmonizing and rehearsing, and now we seem to have so much individualistic music. It's all individual. There's almost no unity left, and I'm hoping we can bring that back. What's your opinion about today's music? Well, I mean, I think that. You know, I think the, the the there's a misconception about whether or not R&B is dead or not, and there's been several articles 
that's been out there about it. But, I mean, the reality is R&B is not dead. It's just not being promoted. So, Good point. you know, you can find R&B out there. It's just that a lot of times people are used to it coming on their radio or it's being streamed somewhere and you, you're hearing it. And if it's not being in the mainstream radio, then you don't know about it or your average listeners because a lot of people don't search for it. So, um, and especially when you get older like uh, older fans, and you are, you know, it's, it's sometimes they they're not up on the technology, um, online, being online, downloading music, and this, that, and the other. You know, you still have right. people that are skeptical about doing all of that. So that's kind of the problem. I mean, music is, you know, it's just a, it's just a different era, and uh, it's, you know, it's not all of my favorite thing either but you know I understand it being a producer I understand you know mm-hmm. the sounds and 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 I understand um you know what's going on but at the same time I think the the industry did themselves a disservice by not you know keeping it diverse not not keeping a um keeping that R&B promoted and uh, but they 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 have their reasoning behind it, I believe. Oh, absolutely. And, oh, absolutely. I definitely yeah. believe they have it. So um, that's another show. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's another story. Yeah. But yeah. no, but 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 the thing is, is that you know, for me, I, I felt like, well, cool. They don't want to. They don't want to take part of this because I mean, it's not like the R and B fans like all went away. You know, they still there. They just trying to search for well, where's the music at? Like, wait, yep. y'all, re- y'all, y'all, wait a minute, y'all not giving us what we used to, and y'all think y'all gonna replace it with this? <laughs> you know, so um, yeah. that's that's uh, that's what's going on, and people are not really realizing that there is music that's still out there. It's just not being promoted like it used to be. You gotta kind of go get it these days instead of it coming to you like it's like it did before. Yeah, you gotta, you, you know, it's yeah. really good to kind of connect with your favorite artists. They and hopefully they they have websites and or um, contacts. You know, if it's certain artists that you like, you know, because I know within the last few years or so, Johnny Gill had several, he had two records, and um, so it's people that still putting out records and, and and they're just not being heavily pushed. I can imagine. I can imagine. And you have a couple of websites. I mean, you have the uh, uh, My Show, uh, dot com, My Gordon and Friends Show. Which is yeah. uh, My Gordon and Friends? Yeah. Um, Mark Gordon Mark Gordon and Friends Show. Uh, that's how it is on the website, but, I, but it's Mark Gordon Show. Um, and uh, basically, I started up a webcam show where I, I would do um, kind of like a, a webcam radio show and, and interview people and play okay. videos and and that kind of thing. And and my 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 whole the idea was to bring some of the artists that's not getting played and also some of those uh, that's that's um that's 
on the indie side to, you know, try to unite that movement and say, okay, well, we're going to take over this indie uh, arena and stay in that lane. Like, for me, I don't have to be, you know, on the main stage, but just put me on the stage and give it the opportunity to be heard. And and a lot of people, you know, that used to have deals and they, you know, they're they're not on a label any longer, some of them don't know what to do. And they're kind of lost because they're used to the label doing everything, you know. So, um it's 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 a it's a movement and I know that there's you know, there's a few independent uh there's a few independent labels that's doing some some cool things and uh that's also another way to connect with some of uh the the new R and B or the new music that's that that's uh reminiscent of the of what they wanna hear is to connect you- with uh the labels. Do you do you have this going on now? This uh, this video that you, that, that you were speaking of is that uh, something you're working on, or something that we can have access to now? Um, like uh, well, Levert two, I did a record with me and Sean, and a new guy Black Rose, and before Sean passed, and um, I was doing that independently. He's got um. Well, it's not many features, but one of the features, main features, is a song the OJ's called "What a Woman." Uh, we did a video for it, and and um, you know we it was independent, so um, we didn't have everything how I wanted it as far as just being able to reach the masses because people still don't know that it's there, you know. And uh, I just got a call last week about a station. That was playing uh, one of the other songs called Hey Love, and it was, um, and they playing it every hour, but, you know, I didn't know, but one of my guys that used to work for Atlantic called me, it's like, yeah, the station's playing y'all heavy over here, so, you know, so that, and and that's years later, like, that was, I mean, I kind of independently was pushing that in 2009, and then, Tried it with another uh, uh, distributor in 2012, and they didn't do anything. So, um, you know, it still have life, and people that never heard it think it's brand new. Yeah, I actually saw uh, you, you have another one called uh, Call Me, another title cut there. Uh, that Say I, that I, again. I'm familiar with Call Me, Laverto. Oh, Call Me, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's that's a, that's a that's a cool song too, buddy. You gotta gotta put that in there with the rest of them. Now, Lavertu, uh, you yourself and brother uh, Black Rose. Now he was with the Rude Boys at one time. Is that correct? Is, is, is that right? No, no, he wasn't with the Rude Boys. He was actually no? the oh, guy okay. that uh, he's from Ohio, from Youngstown, Ohio, and um, he was with a group called Who's Who, that was signed by Dr. Dre at one point. And okay. um, I don't I don't know if Dr. Dre knew what to do with them, but they were on the, a compilation, and then that was that was it with the with the Dre uh, situation. But anyway, we had reconnected and um, I pulled them in, and you know, and uh, we worked on the record on the Vert Two. 
after Sean, I tried to get other people, um, not immediately because uh, it took me some time to kind of yeah. get back into that mode. But I end up um, recently we end up pulling a, a new guy in to round out the, the three member uh, group. Uh, okay. His name and he's from Ohio, but he lives in Cali now, and his okay. name is Paris Smith. So, um, and we we're working on new music that you know, um, that we're all going to be on, and you know, just a new movement for as far as uh, as far as the vert, and the vert too. Looking forward to that, man. I hope y'all keep keep it alive. Like you say, it's still out there, even though you may have to. Work a little hard to get it, but uh, yeah. if, if you all got something going on, you got the trio, another trio together, man. I'm sure looking forward to uh, the material. Okay, yeah, you it. can also go to um, levert2.com. That's levert2.com, and then uh, you know you can kind of you know see some see some of the things that's on there. I'm I'm uh, presently updating it and putting on the the new uh, putting the new guy in and and some of the some of the new updates, but it's there right now to be able to check out and see what's, you know, just kind of scroll through and see what's what. And uh, there's also the Soul Foundation, S-O-E-L Foundation.org, and um, that's for, you know, the uh, prescription medications and just, you know, bringing awareness to uh, communities is kind of the movement to go to different communities and and bring them up to speed on what's going on with these um with the pharmaceuticals and and whether it's illicit or if it's um prescribed you know they're all they all can be lethal and uh so it's it's better to kind of know and know what to do um and um and and try to you know deal with you know, everybody has stress, and 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 sometimes deal with, um, and deal with uh, uh, depression, and um, and everybody just can't handle it the same, and they they exactly. use different things as a truck as a crutch. Exactly. And, you exactly. Know, and this is this is how the ball starts, and they even they even misdiagnosing our children. Um, and getting them started early. So there's a lot of different things that we kind of go over in these forums. And um, like I said, I'm doing a forum, uh, another one in in the uh, in Atlanta uh, this month on the 23rd. And it's a part of the music, a music convention, Writing Sessions of America. And um, and we're gonna you know kind of go over that. It's you know it's for up and coming artists or established artists, but it's a way to kind of unite writers and singers and producers and and try to maintain. You know we're trying to maintain that music flow, that music that our generation uh, loved. And you know and I'm glad to hear that. So that's I'm kinda so glad to hear that. Anybody who knows me know I'm know, know I'm elated to hear something like that because I'm always talking about we got to get our music back we got to get it back to 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 the level at which it was I know you say it's out there but we got to get it back to the level at which it was uh, because it 
it represents a, a unity when you have uh, groups out there with choreography and you know it just it just 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 a presentation and the image that it presents in my opinion. But now you also have a interest, very interesting uh, Facebook page, uh, Mark Gordon and friends. I recommend uh, everybody listening to go uh, on and like that page and follow that page because it has some very interesting articles and uh, generates some really good uh, conversation. You know, I'm, I'm on it all oh, the yeah. time. I respond, I respond them to it often. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's um, that's connected to the website, which is uh, which I'm uh, presently doing some, um, you know, under construction, but um, but I, and I'm not doing the webcam show. Uh, I plan to g- get back on it again, but I just haven't yet. But uh, you know, in 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 between time, I I keep keep the conversation going by, you know, posing questions and things that's going on that's 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 right now that's relatable to your life and Absolutely. things that sometimes we kind of we kind of overlook or not thinking about is you know I, I'm trying to bring some thought provoking um you know in our community um yes. because a lot of times we only see what's right there and we're not seeing the underneath the underlying reasoning or the underlying situations that's going on. We just see what they want you to see. And um, so exactly, um, it, it, it's a lot more to to it than what meets the eye. And uh, so I, I try to spark conversations about it um, because, you know, the media give you a lot of propaganda and and a lot of their agendas of what they want want to be heard, but it's it's not um, they don't give you like every detail. They don't always give you everything, you know. And uh, right. so that's what I try to do on Mark Gordon's show. Um, well, Facebook you do a page. great job of you do a great job of believing. I I I can really appreciate it because I run my Facebook page. Pretty much the same way. I can be a little controversial, and but I, I, I everything I say is from the heart. But it generates, if nothing else, the same as your page. Whether you agree or disagree, what you're doing is making people think. Yeah, making people think. Exactly. And there's not enough of that going on. So yeah. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Be, we we as people need to be thinking, and a lot of times it's amazing that you know some of the people and what they. What they answers and they comments is be like, man, we are way <laughs> off, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a lot more. of people is, yeah, it's disheartening sometimes because we have people that that don't, um, you know, that don't know their own history, you know, and 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 really, really stuck in this society's. Uh, caught up in this society and 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 blinded by, uh, you know, by untruths. And uh, I'm like, man, y'all gotta read. Y'all better start reading. Yeah. Read. That that they're locked into a comfort zone, and 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 to, yeah, and, to, every... and to go into deep thought will require them to exit that comfort zone, and they just don't want to do that. 
But it's not, it. it's not, it's not that serious to be able to sit and be able to read and think and be like, okay, why is this that? You know, I've always wanted to, you not, know, kind of figure out certain things and why things. Not complicated at all. Yeah, why things happen the way they happen. It's not, you know, it's not that serious. But some people, some people, as I'm having conversations, they just don't believe nothing. They don't believe doo-doo stink. Unless you know it can be right in front of them, you know, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's just it's crazy for our people to be that way. And uh, like I was having a conversation the other day, which I end up ending it today, I believe this morning. But it was basically it was about the music and TV and all of that, and and we get locked into TV. But if they really research and look into it. TV has been used as a main brainwashing mechanism. Absolutely. And people don't even under they don't even understand Absolutely. it. They think that it's entertainment and it's just entertainment. Absolutely. No. These are the same people that was depicting and 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 uh depicting our people as less than human. When TV came out, they were nothing but butlers and maids and this and that and the other, exploitation, wouldn't give them, it couldn't sit at the table, you know. So this is how TV portrayed us. It's all mind control. Yeah, Yeah. so the thing is now it's still the the same, but they're doing it in a different way, like a lot of other things. It's systematic, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. they um they think you you know they think you, you think you're doing something and yeah you're getting a check and you and you're feeding your family but at the same time you you're showing yourself and it's not their fault cuz they 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 got to eat so they doing what they they got to do yeah. my but thing is, is that as far as TV they got to they got to make it more balanced and that's what they're not doing you you'll well, see shows to where you making us look crazy, and you hear music to, you know, like I was trying to tell somebody, it's like, hey, you know, you understand that a lot of this music was was cut off on purpose. Remember hip hop and 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 it was a conscious hip hop and conscious. It's all about design. And conscious. It's all. Absolutely. You have to. Yes, you I have do. to. You have to. Re- Relate that to what's going on in the world, and there was a certain time when things was happening, when riots happened, when Rodney King uh, got beat down by the cops, and there was an uprising, and so consciousness was in, and what did music do? They changed the whole uh, tune of it and switched it to what? Gangster rap. Self-genocide. I've been saying that, Brother Mark. It's interesting to hear you say that with you being on the inside of the music world because I've been saying that for for years that this has all been systematically designed to do exactly what it's doing. Uh, They take away the music, take away the unity, put together the individualism, and, uh, you know, chastise each other, call each other out, and then you have the state of of mind of the people that we're in right now. It's, It's unfortunate. Well, yeah, and I, but but people are challenge you know have challenged me because they say well you know well it's not the well, how, how are you going to say that it's the industry's fault 
And it's it's really the artist's fault. The artists out there disrespecting us and they doing this and they saying that. Yeah, you can say that they're saying it, but you gotta understand too that some of these artists comes from some of the some of the more ruthless hoods in America. And some of the things that they're used to you may not be used to. Some of the language that they use, that's what that's just how they talk. So that's what they know. the thing that I'm telling you, yeah, that's what they know. So what is, what is that telling you? What it's telling me is that they have been handpicked to say and do and act just the way they are by these industries. Absolutely. Why? Because that's what they want you to see. Yep. They want you to emulate them. They want you to say half sentences. They want you to talk and don't say the complete word. They want you to do that. It is not complicated and people, at all. <laughs> yeah, and people fall along with it. So that's why I put the emphasis on the industries because they know what they're doing. Some of these acts and artists, they're young. Just like I had to t- explain to them, like I remember when I signed a contract with a major label and young and dumb don't know a thing about the industry, didn't have a clue. Learned a lot on the way. So imagine somebody nowadays, and they don't have, they, some of them can't even read. So they don't know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're only getting picked because they might have a little talent or maybe not. Some of them don't. But they're acting how they want you to act. It's yeah. already natural. They're just they're, they're, using you as a display. They're serving. They're serving their purpose to the master. Exactly. Perfection. And they're getting a, you know, they're getting a couple dollars for it, and that's that's yeah. all that matters to them. You know, so the industry knows what they're doing. They definitely know what they're doing. This is nothing new. It's just that people are not hip and they're not aware that. Well, why is it? Why are they doing this or why are they doing that? Look, who's promoting it? Who putting it on the who's putting it on the major stage? Who's who's putting it on the platform that it's on? And why are they putting it on it? Look, if that was you or me, platform like that? No. Well we come from a whole different, get, different angles. Yeah, you come from a whole different perspective. And that's the same thing for some of these labels and execs. If it was their people, would you Put it out there like that so they can represent you like that? Well, you, what, what did they do with Michael Jackson? He had to go back and take, uh, uh, I, I don't, they don't really care about it. He had to go back and redo it because he said they're Jewish. He had to remake it. Uh, yeah. Over, over one word, we can call each other anything we want and, 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 and uh, insinuate any type of, type of violence to males and females that we want to, and it's okay. You know, I mean, that to me is a perfect example of the difference. Uh, and us and them, as far as uh, directing that type of music towards uh, people. Oh man, yeah. this that's this is a whole, a whole other show, Mark. We we can see, I we we talk all night on this one, brother. But uh, oh yeah, like I say again, I'm I'm, I'm humbled, and I, I really appreciate uh, you calling in and talking, man. I tell you, uh, you talking to you, just, it just brings back so many good memories. I mean, I can go back even beyond uh, Levert to to the old days. I remember. The, the old days record deeper in love with you. I think that was in 1969 or 70 before the backstabbers. And I've been following them guys 
big time since then. Been, seen him many, many different times in Chicago. And uh and then Levert came right right behind and uh hopefully Levert too can uh be looking forward to uh you know, I'm on both the uh websites. I'm on I'm I'm on here uh Facebook page and uh, I'll be keeping track of you, brother. I really appreciate right, you calling in, Mark. Thank thank you All so right, much, man. Keep keep that music going, brother. I'll be looking for you. No doubt. I appreciate it. All right. Spread the love. Right. Take care now. All right. Yep. Wow. That was uh Brother Mark Gordon. Uh that that was very, very interesting. It's interesting to hear uh what's really going on and hear hear that perspective from somebody who is actually in the music industry. And it's also interesting to hear back some of what I've been trying to say and putting out there for, for a long time. And it's it's just undisputable truth. I mean, what's going on out here is not by accident. It just didn't happen by chance. Uh it just didn't turn out that way uh, uh you know it is what it is yeah it is what it is it is a master plan designed to do to our youth and people exactly what it's doing the problem is we fall for it and we flock to it like flies on crap we seem to love it we make excuses for it and then wonder why we have the problems that we have in the community but anyway we're going to keep on moving we're going to keep rolling we have another uh coming on uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to do our little old school. We're going to uh, play our ad, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to keep this show rolling. You all hang in there with me, and uh, hopefully Blog Talk won't uh, do what it did a few minutes ago. Uh, but we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. All right. Yeah. 
Chicago for your next family reunion. Call Jimmy Williams of Abstract T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunion expert since 1990. With photo T-Shirts and custom printing available. You can see samples of his work on the internet. Search for JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. That's JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. One word. For families wanting reasonable prices, quality service, and good advice at making their family reunion a success, call Jimmy Williams from Abstracts T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunions should always be a happy occasion, and your T-Shirts should reflect that. Call Jimmy Williams at 773-690-5366. Your T-shirt man. This is one of 
choreographic uh, elements of these uh, music groups that we just don't see today. But we're going to keep on moving on. I'm going to bring uh, next guest on, brothers. Here comes uh, East South Shore alumni, class 75, like myself, came through O'Keefe. Uh, he has, uh, we played baseball together. It's a, a great, great brother. Always been a, just a kind of cool, hearted uh, brother, and I, I've always appreciated him for that. Uh, he has taken a, a career path into through the uh, mortuary science industry, and uh, we were talking at the picnic, and I definitely wanted to have him on to, you know, expel some of the myths and uh, deal with some of the realities of that particular field and just talk about the psychological uh, perspective uh, that he would have and seeing what he sees, uh, which is opposite of uh, the perspective that, that w- in which we see what's going on out here. I want to welcome on the show, Brother Candy, Leon Gray. Candy, thanks for coming on the show, Brother. Oh, it's my pleasure, Brother Keith. Blessings to you, man. Man, we're going to go into, uh, normally uh, when I have the guest on, I'll go into, uh, you know, a little, you know, in a few questions, basically. But I asked you those questions at the picnic, at the South Shore Reunion picnic, and uh, you haven't had, had a chance to hear this interview over with yet. We're going to have a little fun with it. And uh, right. before we get into uh, what's happening today and uh, the, uh, the core of the subject matter, we're going to play that interview uh, right now, and we'll come back right, right back with you. You cool with that? I'm cool with that, my man. No sweat. Let's let's do it. Come on, we'll be right back. Right. Here we go. All right. Okay, blow talk. Don't do me like this. <laughs> Don't do me like this. Okay. Uh we're we're waiting for us to decide if it's gonna we're going to talk to Brother Leon Candy Gray. Candy Leon Gray. Candy Leon Gray. We're going to put it that way? Okay, we're going to put it that way. Candy Leon Gray. Uh, Come out of O'Keefe, make your way to South Shore High School. We played ball together a couple of years. Brother Leon, thanks for Brother Candy. Thanks for joining me, man. You're welcome, my brother. God bless you. Hey, likewise, man. So, uh... Question I open up with, man, is when you think about South Shore High School, when you go back into them days, when you're just reminiscing, what memories come to you? What you know thoughts do you have as far as where well, you come from, man? Well, I remember the sock hops. Yeah, nobody. This is you the first yeah, one to mention the sock I, hops. I remember the sock hops, man, and that was that was real good. Uh, live music, and back then we were bopping. Yeah. And, and yeah, now, yeah. And, and I moved away and came back, and they were talking about let's go to a stepper set. I'm like, what's a stepper set? So now they stepping. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember playing ball. Some of the best times of my life, meeting friends like yourself. Yeah. Lifelong friends. And uh, just, you know, just being involved with school. And I wish I'd have been a more serious student the first two years. I would have, you know, probably would have done a little bit more things. But uh, South Shore was a blast. Yeah. I, I wish I'd have been a better student the first four years. <laughs> I tell you, when we graduated, man, I was depressed because I wasn't ready to go. I was just starting to get it. Okay. I was just starting to get it. And it was, the four years went by so damn quick, man. Right. That's you right. Know? That's right. I said, oh, but hey, here we are. I'm mm-hmm. here and I'm okay. It's That's all right. Good. There you go. So, what, uh, other than us, the baseball guys, you know, we had our own clique, but who, who, what, what was your circle back then? Uh, guys who held you up and had your back, you know, that you can, you know, when you're down, when you're up. Right. You know. Well, I think my circle was kind of like the, the guys that I came out of uh, grammar school with because mm-hmm. we hung tight 
coming out of O'Keefe. Yeah. Uh, so we were still tight, and we went to went to high school together. A lot of us still played ball together. Uh, I wrestled and played football, and on the baseball team, that's where you and I got got yeah. close. Yeah. And uh, just you know, and I think being an athlete, no matter what sport you played, if you knew other athletes. You know, that was kind of like your circle. Yeah, exactly. You know what exactly. I'm saying? And, yeah. and and it's just a camaraderie in there because you know you're going to give your very best effort every time. Yeah. So yeah. that's, you know, that's probably the, the support group, I uh, guess you could say. That was it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's interesting. When you, your first two years, what, uh, were you, what, just you know, girl chasing or what? What happened? Man? man, I thought I was a little pimp. <laughs> 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 you know, trying to be cool and slick. And uh, I remember one day, man, I was getting ready to go to school, and uh, I was in the mirror combing my hair, and I'm like, man, the hell with this. I'm not even going back to school no more. I'm going to quit. But something inside said, no, you keep going. Yeah. And I just changed my whole profile and, uh, you know, just got a couple pair of jeans, stopped trying to be Mr. Dressy Dressy, got a couple pair of jeans and some shirts, and I love shirts to this day. Yeah. And I just got serious in school because... I think in my freshman year, one of my teachers put on my course book, Class Clown. So, and I didn't, and I didn't want that, you know, to be my M.O. for the rest of my yeah. life. So, I got serious. So, and, and it's kind of, it came from looking in the mirror, right? Exactly. Kinda, you know. And, and, you know, looking in the mirror, you see yourself if you open your eyes. You know what? I've been trying to say that because too many people don't. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't want to get all into religion and everything, but I say, look, if you want to see your God, that's all you got to do is look in the mirror. Amen. That's true. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you think about it. That's true. That's what you got. That's true. That's who you got. That's true. In that mirror. That's true. You know? But people, I mean, that's, it works for me. Mm-hmm. And, and you just said the same thing. You yeah. look in that mirror, man. You say, hey, wait a minute. Because re- you are a reflection of God. Exactly. You know what I mean? So exactly. that means your reflection is... God, that, 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 it's not complicated to me. Exactly. You know what I mean? This we, can, a, we can make it complicated. Well, we do make it complicated. Right, but it's real simple. It's not complicated. Mm-hmm. But uh, when, sorry, we, we ain't trying to go there right now, but okay. we, we have to. We, I mean, it, 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 the truth is something else. But the truth is the light, brother. As far as uh, teachers and educa- educators back in the day, who who influenced you? Who did you kind of say, damn, you know, they, I, they they are all right, and I'm really, I'm really getting this where they're coming from, you know? Well, I think... Uh, coming out of grammar school, Miss Dean. She was uh, my sixth grade teacher. And then when I got to, uh, then eighth grade, Miss Bethel. Uh, then when I got to high school, Miss Dean was there again. She was the music teacher. I knew that name something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maldale Dean. Yeah, she, I, yeah. I said Miss Dean, Miss Dean. Damn, that's, yeah, Miss Dean. Yeah, she tightened me up, man, in sixth grade. I was acting a fool. And, uh, and, uh, and and uh, she had to call my mom in and lay me across the front desk in front of the whole class and whoop me with a yardstick. Really? Yeah, and it didn't hurt as much as I was embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. And so she was a very great influence. And we had another teacher, Afro history teacher in high school. I can't remember her name. She was an older lady. Miss Tolbert? I can't remember. Could have been. She was an older lady, older black sister. And uh, she didn't even really have to open the book because she knew the history. Mm-hmm. And had I been wise and attentive, I would have gotten more of what she was teaching. Because right now, more than ever, we need to know our history so we can move forward. That's the whole thing. Yeah, we, we know everybody else. That's why we're moving backwards. Amen. Because we don't get into our own, man. It, Amen. It, that's it's right. It's not complicated, man. I, be trying, I, I do my shows based on a lot of this 
psychology. And this, this ain't, I didn't go to school to read no major. I'm not a bookworm. I wasn't a good student. Mm-hmm. I, I've gotten smarter just from what I see out here in the world. Right. And that's what I talk about. So people see it differently. That's on them. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about what I see. Right. You know, and I don't see how anybody else can't see it, but they don't. So that's on them. Right. So that, that's interesting. Now, I know we had an interesting conversation yesterday. Right. About, right. about our uh, instincts and, uh, right, you know, right. just, uh, I tell you, woman or something else, man, they could throw a whammy on you like it ain't nothing, you oh, know. And like man. you say, next thing you know, you, you're married and <laughs> you got kids. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but I propose this to you anyway, man. Back in the days, we who, who, who were your, some of your schoolboy crushes back in the day? Man, I had a crush on this one young lady, Cheryl Dean. She was so She went beautiful. to Brimmon with me, yeah. Really? Cheryl and, Dean. And, uh, Pretty from, eyes. And yes, man, and just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I remember my freshman year, I think I said hi, and that was it. I was real shy. But man, I every time I saw her, man, I would almost yeah. fall against the Cheryl locker. Dean. And yep. never, I was too shy to say anything else to her. I'm looking forward to the day. I hope she's out here. I sure would love to see her. Now, she hasn't been to any reunions. Uh, I've I known her since fourth grade, man. Mm-hmm. She's in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. But I, I know Cheryl Dean exactly who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. another one was Audrey Banks. She was, yeah, she and, was. Uh, yeah. And then another one was uh, Debbie Bedford. You too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Joined the club, right? You too, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 had, I had a... Uh, I wanted to go to the prom with her so bad, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm a late bloomer, man. Back in them days, I didn't, I didn't know, I had nobody to, to mentor me, teach right. me. I just, that's just the way I came up. I learned everything pretty much from the streets. Gotcha. And uh, I was too afraid to ask her, man. Mm. You know, and uh, she ended up going with Ronald David. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. I was happy for him. Right. And I said, damn, you know. But anyway, yeah. yeah. So we, we yeah. had one in common. I had one in common with Carl Fisher too, uh, oh, Renee really? Benson. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Renee <laughs> <Benson>. <laughs> And you know, I, I ended up marrying a young lady who was two years under us, uh, Renee McGee. I remember her. Yeah, her sister. She had a twin sister, Renita McGee. I remember that man. Yeah. So, uh, so that was my story, man. Yeah. That, you know, didn't get with my crushes. I got with my lushes. Yeah, yeah. Back in them days, I didn't even have a. I couldn't get a lush. I had, I had, to, I had to be happy with a crush, man. And just take that and go home with that, you know. I hear you, bro. And deal with that at night, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I couldn't do nothing about the lush. Yes, sir. But. uh... You know, I'm going to give you uh, the last word, man, just to, like I do everybody else, just from the heart, mm-hmm. uh, how you feeling about being around our uh, preppies, our homies, uh, mm-hmm. and just, you know, where you're at right now. Matter of fact, before I go to that one, what you doing right now? Uh, right now, I'm a mortician, mm-hmm. and I've been doing that for about 30 years, and uh, I've got some background in security with uh, Clark, uh, not Clark, Cook County Sheriff's Department, yeah. so I do security out there in Vegas, and uh, but embalming is my passion. Yeah. That's, that's you know, I can do anything and everything in a funeral home. And you know what? I was thinking about that, and I, and I, I love to do a show with you mm-hmm. and talk about mortuary science. Okay. Because I don't think people really, a lot of people are afraid of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, I think, would get an interest in it. And see, what I'm trying to do by, by going there with you and right. with other people about what they're doing now is maybe maybe their kid will be in the background and hear something and say, damn, you know, maybe that's something somebody want to get into. Right, right. You never know. Right. Right. Maybe somebody, who knows? You just, you just never know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people really understand it like you would, mm-hmm. what goes into the more, the sciences of the mortuary, you know, of, right. of, of that business. Right. And I think that'd be a pretty good show, man. Mm-hmm. And I give I give them a disclaimer before we get into it. They're going to get all scared. Well, you know, nightmare. it'll be scientific. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It'll be scientific. I mean, you know, not, not 
explicitly graphic. Exactly. Or anything exactly. Like that. It don't yeah. have to be like Michael Bay, yeah. you know. Right. Uh, you know. Right. No. Yeah. No. It's not. No, what on HBO? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna keep it on on top of the table. Yeah. 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 Keep, you keep it on keep it. I think that'd be a great show. And we'll talk about uh, you were talking about you know your, your songwriting and mm-hmm. some of the songs your brother wrote that I had no idea that we, I just. Mm-hmm. We, I'm gonna do a one-on-one with you. Okay, sounds I'm good. Do a one-on-one. I'll, keep, I'll keep you posted, man. Yes, sir. And uh, yes, when sir. I come to LA, I'm gonna hang with you on one of those. Do that. Yeah. Do that, I, man. I'm in not LA, but Vegas. Vegas, yes, yeah. sir. I'm serious. I'll meet you in LA. That's cool too. Yeah, I, I, brother, because <laughs> that's why I love being in Texas. I, I'm right in the middle. I can get to these places so easy. Right. You right. Know? But just express yourself, man. Say what 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 you feel about uh, you know about this family here, man. Man, I, I think it's it's a great reunion, and it's good to see everybody. And uh, I'm just glad that we, you know, still above ground, yeah. still positive, you know, whatever the, the the things we've been through in life. And hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, it's all been good, you know, and sometimes even the bad is good because you learn from it. If you if you work it right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm learning it's all about a, a positive mental attitude. Yeah. You know, and you got to have that to keep moving forward in life because, you know, like you say, you, you're going to have some pitfalls and, and some things I could have done and could have done better, mm-hmm. could have done different to have a different outcome. But, you know, I, I, I think if I had it to do all over again, I'd do the same thing, you know. So, uh, but, you know, and, and then we get to this point now where we're looking at our youth, man, and that's that's really what's, what's troubling and, and, and bothering me because it seems like they have no sense of self, no sense of, uh, of history, and, you know, just no, and no sense of the future. They have a but, sense of them video games and rap music. And, and you know, what I tell my son, I, I tell him I have high expectations of him. And I want him to exceed himself so he can admire himself. E- exactly. Know, not be exactly. like anybody else, exactly. but be somebody that he can admire. Exactly. So that's my whole thing, man. Exactly. That's my whole thing right there. Brother Candy, Leon Gray, man, thanks yes, for coming sir. on, brother. I appreciate Keith, it. Blessings to you, my brother. Man, we're going we gonna, to uh, show this on next week. Okay. I'll keep you all posted. You don't know what's coming on. Uh, I'll play some of the conversations I've had. This is going to take more than one show to get all the interviews in. Oh, yes, sir. But until they're done, we'll, we're going to run this show. People want to call in, we'll get them in. It's going to be nice, man. Oh, yes, sir. You know, thanks a lot, brother. Yes, I appreciate sir. it. All right, I'll right. send you a song I wrote, too. It's been a math and everything. So. And that was then Mrs. Now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Talk to your picnic with Brother Candy Gray. What do you think about that, man? Kind of interesting to, to uh, have uh, been a while back and forgotten about it to hear it again, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, it, it was. It was all good. It was all good. Yeah, and uh, but I, I enjoyed. It. I enjoyed that that atmosphere, and uh, and this is a very nice outlet too. So I, I'm enjoying, you know, the uh, this time with you too, my brother. Absolutely, absolutely. I just wanted to get that interview in because that kind of that way, instead of asking you the same question, we just replay that and we can get right into uh, what we want to talk about and. Right. I guess to, to to start it off, I guess what I want to know is when, uh, as far as getting into the field of mortuary science, when did this even get into your mind? When did the idea even come to you that this would be something that you'd be interested in? You you know, Keith, it's, it's amazing that uh, my mom, uh, born and raised in West Helena, Arkansas, uh, she knew John Stroger. John Stroger was a Cook County board president right. of Chicago. They They went to school together. Uh, but my mom, you know, moved up to uh, moved up to Chicago, and we had a lot of. She had a lot of friends, and we used to always always go to a lot of funerals. Uh, but and and she used to always tell me about her brother, whom I never met. Uh, he was uh, he 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 was murdered in uh, in Belleville, 
Illinois, I think it is, something like that. But he was a mortician. And uh, she said he was very good. He would go around to different funeral homes and, and handle the business. But I tell you, man, when I was playing football at South Shore, uh, we had a brother, man, and, and I hope it's okay if I mention this, uh, a brother that played football with us, Grizz. Uh, that's I all I know him about. Yeah, for all, uh, yeah. Uh, well, a couple other brothers, They were, I think he was from, I can't remember what school he was from, what, what grammar school. But he was a wonderful brother, wonderful young man, awesome football player. And I think he had stomach flu or something like that and passed away. And yeah. going I went to, to that funeral. service, yeah, and yeah. going, it was a huge was service. And going yeah. to that service, man, I mean, because we were like 15, something like that. We were freshmen, sophomores, right. something yeah, like freshman that. Year. Freshman and, year. And that kind of triggered into me, this is what I want to do. And, uh, and, and it's amazing, though, brother, uh, that uh, some of the things that I've gotten, uh, well, that was a great, it, it's sad to say, but that was an inspiration to me to, to do, to get into that field. And then as life moved on, you know, I went into the Navy and uh, and traveled a little bit and then came back home. And, uh, and, and it still was something that I wanted to do. And I found myself in Poplarville, Mississippi, population about 2,500. And mm-hmm. uh, was, and was was hauling pulp wood, cutting down trees, man. I mean, that's some of the hardest work I've ever done in my life. But one of the brothers uh, in the town that I lived in, he passed away, and the and the town was so small that we didn't have a funeral home. So the funeral home from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, had to come in. And I spoke to those brothers. I'm like, man, this is what I want to do. How can? What do I need to do? And they they talked to me and they sent me a letter of recommendation to the uh, mortuary to the school of mortuary science in Houston, Texas, and that just got the ball rolling for me. And at that time, I was about 28 when that when mm-hmm. when I went to mortuary school. So that kind of that started my career in you know in the field of mortuary science right there. Yeah, that, that so is that, was, that is that is very interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So so what so. Now, when you when you enter that career path, I mean, what what courses? What what are the primary courses that you you take to prepare for, for that field? I mean, what, is it a two year program, a four year program? Well, I went to uh, a one year program. It was a Commonwealth College of Mortuary Science in Houston, Texas, but it was so compact. It was it was two years worth of work compressed into one year, and we had to hustle. We had to study. And man, I prayed because because uh, at the time I had a small family, had a young family, and they were in Poplarville, Mississippi, and I would have to travel, like, I would have to drive eight hours, and to go to school, and sometimes I would only be able to come back once a month to see the family, and uh, you know, and, and we but we studied anatomy and physiology, uh, we we had to trace a drop of blood from the heart all the way through the system. And uh, we studied some English, a little bit of math, a little bit of chemistry, and then we studied funeral customs of many different uh, religions and cultures. So that was mainly wow. the thing. But uh, but all of that was to was to get you to pass the test. But the real learning came during the apprenticeship, and that's when you you know you we we studied, we worked with an embalmer, worked with the funeral director, and that's when we really learned how this how this business works. And uh mm-hmm. it was an awesome experience, man, I tell you, dude. 
And at first, I didn't make any money at all, man. And uh, one guy told me, I asked him for a job as an apprentice. He told me I should pay him $10 a body just for the experience to learn. <laughs> oh, you pay so, him. You know, but, yeah, but, but it's all about the passion. It's all about the yeah. passion, yeah. man. And, and, yeah. that, and I found out, you know, from that, from that service with, with, with the brother from high school that that was my passion. I learned that when I was 14, but I just read this 28. And so that's, you know, that's just kind of how it went. And the school was very intense, brother, because we started out with 72 people, but we only graduated 28. And I was just thankful that I was one of the 28. Now, among, among the courses that you take, is, is there also a, like a psychology or, uh, or a sensitivity type of course to, so whereas you can you know, not get too caught up into the situation? I imagine that's why you ended up with a smaller class because some people realize they just wasn't quite mentally ready for this. Is there anything uh, to prepare you mentally for this? We did study uh, some psychology, uh, but, you know, keep in mind, it's, it's a trade school, you know, really to get you into embalming and, and to get you out into the field. But we did gotcha. study some psychology, and uh, to be honest with you, man, to go back into it from 30 years ago, that, that's a good question you asked me. I wish I had prepped on that question. But, uh, but we did study some psychology and sociology, and we studied uh, some of the norms and some of the mores of, of, of cultures and how people perceive death and how people uh, respect and how they, how they, how they show uh, respect for the dead. So we did get into that. Yes, sir. Now, going back to there was a first time that you walked upon a case and were ready to, to go hands-on. Was that in any way bizarre to you? Were you like just cool, like, hey, come on, let's get with it? Did you have to kind of, you know, did you have to, is there any particular way that you have to prepare yourself mentally or at one time you have to prepare yourself mentally to get through the process? Well, I, I tell you, man, I, uh, I I went to school in Houston, and I was able to to work at a funeral home called Lockwood Funeral Home. I remember Mr. Oliver, he was the owner and the proprietor. And the embalmer there was uh, Jerome Russo. He was the embalmer there, and they would he would never let me come back in the embalming room, even though I was a student. And uh, until one day he finally said, "Okay, you can come on back." And uh, I was I was back there, and we had a case, and uh, he he asked me to do the incision, and and when I when I did the first incision, I expected. A reaction. I expected, you know, the lady to say "ouch" or something like that, but that never happened. And so I just mm-hmm. went on and started taking care of my business, man. You know, just yeah. you know, just went to work. And you know, the professionalism kicks in. Even though it was my first case, you know, I still had to be guided and things like that. But the professionalism right. just kicked in. You know, it just started. Just went to work. You know. Now. Wow, I got I have so many different angles. I want to. Uh, That's okay. Come on with it, bro. All right. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I got so many. Now, now, I'm I'm trying to because because we don't know, we we make assumptions being on the outside. Some people just don't want to know. Well, I, I do because because I'm curious, and I'm sure there's a lot right. of curious minds out there. Now, a, a day in the life of what you do, you uh, I mean, do you have like how do you you're on call or I mean. They came how to give you a schedule because how, how can you really, I guess, I don't know. How does that work? How, when did you go in? How do you, well, how do you I, know? I tell you, 
Well, I, I tell you right now, uh, I'm I I am bombed uh, for a funeral home, and when they have a case, they call me. But for instance, uh, I had my own business in Chicago, Infinity Mortuary. I had that for about four years, and uh, I did. You know, I answered the calls. I I made the pickups. I went and picked up uh, uh, the deceased. I made arrangements with the family. I embalmed the body, dressed the body, put the body in the casket, did the funeral, went to the went to the grave, went to the cemetery, did the committal, and you know did the follow up with the family. So I had to do everything. But I remember oh, this wow. uh, one particular. I remember this one particular time because. Uh, I bought some. Uh, we had we had a uh, like a season pass at Brookfield Zoo. That's a wonderful zoo in Chicago. Right. And uh, me and the, me and the family, uh, we were getting ready to go to the zoo. We had planned it, and we were in our, you know, uh, what you call them, jogging suits and everything like that. We getting ready to go to the go to the zoo, and we stepping out the house, and I'm locking the door, and the phone rings, and it was a death call. And it was uh, from a, a, a member of my church. Her son had had, uh, had met with an unfortunate accident. And so I had to say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, family, but we can't go to the zoo. I have to go take care of this business. And that's just how the the mortuary business is. And, and I learned another thing uh, when I came out here to Las Vegas. A lady came into the mortuary and uh, said that uh, one of her loved ones had just died and she needed to make arrangements. And the manager of the mortuary said, well, ma'am, you have to make an appointment. And she said, well, death didn't make an appointment with me. And so I learned from that that you, you know, I learned again from that that you have to answer the call when you get the call. And sometimes you have to put your life on hold and handle the business for other people. So that's kind of how that goes. Now, see, I didn't even know that, uh, that you said you were involved from beginning to end, actually making a pickup, doing the dressing. And I see, I thought that what you did, you pretty much was in house and just took care of business back there in the in, in the back room or wherever it's taking place. I didn't know that you uh, did the whole uh, the whole preparation from beginning to end like that. Is that all the time, or does it vary depending on uh, where you're at in the situation? It, well, it's, it's kind of where you are in the situation, because then at that at that point in time, I had my own business and I was a sole proprietor, and okay. I was I was the business. I was you know I was the man, you know, and and everything went through me. So and if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to get done. So you know, I, I also learned how to rely on myself, and you know, learn how to do anything. I can do anything in a funeral home. It does it doesn't matter from sweeping the floor. To, to whatever it doesn't matter, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, just had to take care of the business, and 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 that comes from, you know, it, it's like you take care of the business for other people, and that's why I look at the term undertaker. And to me, that term means that when the family can't go on, we I undertake for the family. I take on their burdens and I take on their chores, and I help them to to get to a place of comfort. Whereas they can uh, uh, just realize and accept what has happened and move forward with life. So that's that's where I, I, I I'm not saying that's the official uh, definition of undertaker, but but that's what mm-hmm. I do. I'm an undertaker, yes sir. So I, I you being 
see, just, just simply knowing you like I do, and you, you, you know, and, and you being human like you are, I, I'm sure there are times where you can't help but to, uh, you know, just have a sympathetic uh, heart, and especially when it comes to a situation that you know that was a result of violence or an accident, or especially when it comes to a, to a child. Uh, does that, does that do, you, do you come upon that often, or you just kind of have to just soak it in and, and do what you got to do and just keep it moving? Well, you know, I mean, we are human. You know, uh, exactly. embalmers are human. And uh, a, a couple of cases I'll relate to you. I remember uh, this one case I had when I was in Houston, and um, I was called to, to do a case at, at a funeral home, and it was a, it was a child who had been actually murdered by her father. And uh, when I went in and pulled back the sheet, the child looked just like my child. And at the time, my child, my my, my girl was six years old. And it wow. took me a minute. You know, I had to, I had to had to look and get my composure. Uh, but then, you know, the professionalism kicked in, and I did what I had to do. Um, and then there was another case. Uh, I was making arrangements. Uh, with the family, I was making arrangements with the wife. Uh, her husband uh, had been shot, and uh, this was out here in Las Vegas. And uh, she was telling me the the situation, what had happened, and I'd never asked what happened. I don't even ask that question anymore. Yeah, and, I hear but you. she was telling me, you know what I'm saying? And and, and she you. started, yeah. you know, she started telling me what had happened, and she was saying that that they were, I think they were arguing. And uh, one of them had a gun, and they were wrestling with the gun, and and the gun went off, and 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 uh, and shot the shot the husband in the head, and they had three little children that were in the house at the time, and it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, I, I'm laughing, but but yeah. I'm laughing, but yeah. I'm not laughing that that it's funny, but oh, but sometimes but sometimes you know it it gets to be so much uh, to the point where you want to talk about it with somebody, but that's not the type of conversation that you bring home to your woman or to your family, you know, because they don't, they can't really relate to that. So, you know, so sometimes I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to tell the truth here. Sometimes when I would get off work, I would stop at a local watering hole, man, and have a beer and have a shot and just cool out before I went Mm -hmm. home. And I was I was fine, you know, and, and, and it started me to thinking, you know, about the psychiatrist. Who does the psychiatrist talk to after hearing everybody's stuff all day long? Who do they talk to? So, you know, it. but it just gets to a point where you got to, you know, kind of have yourself under control and uh, don't get strung out on drugs or alcohol or some illicit kind of thing, but, but know that it's a profession. And that's part of the profession. That's part of the job. And, you know, like you say, you just got to keep it moving after that. You know, you got to keep it moving, man. And, sure. and one and of you're... my... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. No, no, you no go I was right just ahead. saying one... Yeah, I was just saying one of my, one of my greatest releases uh, from all of the, you know, because it's like, you know, in Bombers, man, we see man's inhumanity towards man. And, and exactly. for me... And, and for me, one of my one of my releases is comedy. You know, I like you know I like the Three Stooges, man. I like you know comedy. I, I like you know and nowadays it's Kevin Hart, 
And you know, and and I like keeping it keeping it light. I try not to be one of those that's sad and all drug, you know, not drug down, but you know, all sad and dragging the ground and stuff like that. I try to have an upbeat personality. And and you I think that, that exactly. It, thank you, thank you. And so that 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 kind of that keeps me balanced a little bit. And uh, you know, but that's that's the way it is, my brother. <laughs> you know? Now, is, is there a and I'm, I'm sure in your years you've encountered many of people who, who who actually got into the field doing the job, making the money, and, and it came to a point. You know what? I just can't do it. That has, have, mm-hmm. you, have you known of, of, of that case often with individuals who just didn't realize the extent of what that particular profession was going to be? Uh, you know, I I think people when when they if they want if they choose this if they choose this and they get in it. You know, most people, if if they're making money, most people stay in it. Well, uh, but 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 I but I'll I'll say this conversely, if this if if this field is a passion, and and I learned that a passion is something that that you would do even if you couldn't get paid. And for the first ten years of my funeral service career, I wasn't making any money, but it was my passion, and I stayed in it because I love doing what I do. And I, and I had to have other jobs to support me, but uh, but but I think some you know if if it's something that you can't do, people know right away, and they don't they don't linger, they get out, and you know they go drive a bus, or work with the county, or you know something like that. They do something else, mm-hmm. you know. But but people that 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 get into this, they really want to be in it, and they stick and stay, you know. Now, do you, is, it, is it just normally a situation where you, I mean, because of the time it takes to do this, or you like, I mean, you can only do one case a day, or do you do more than one case a day, or how does that, I guess, depends on the situations as they come in, but is it typically just, just that you're going to be able to do one, and that's pretty it, or do you just keep on going at it? Well, I, I tell guess, you, I man. Guess, uh, Go ahead, I'm listening. What I was gonna say, I guess I guess if you have to do it from A to Z and, and, and do the dressing, I guess that you can't you can't do more than one a day because you got the service and everything involved in that. Yeah, I was thinking mm-hmm. that you just stayed in the in the in the back room and just did 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 the case. I just, I, I just didn't yeah. think that you do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, well, as as just a strict embalmer, that most times the embalmer just embalms the body. The embalmer may do the pickup and then do the embalming. And may do the dressing, but some in, in a if you have a larger funeral home, you have somebody else doing the dressing, so it's, it's compartmentalized, it's departmentalized like that, where you have somebody doing the embalming, do the pickup and the embalming, somebody else does the dressing and the cosmetics, and and placing the, the person in the casket. Uh, but if you have you know if you if you're the sole proprietor, and if you just getting up off the ground like I was, you have to do everything. And and you know when I had my own business, I was just doing maybe maybe one or two cases a day. It didn't really get too heavy, but as an embalmer, as a strict embalmer, and I did that in Chicago uh, before I before I started my business. It was a pretty large funeral home. I won't say the name, uh, but very good very good people there. And um, there I was doing about three cases a day, and that was like six days a week. And I just kind of limited myself on how many I would do and not stress myself out. Uh, but sometimes we did get overwhelmed, 
And uh, the most, I think the most cases I've ever done in one day was like about 12. Uh, but we were, we were really wow. stressed. And then, I mean, it was, it was a lot going on at that, at that particular time. But, you know, sometimes you just have to take a break, man, and say, hey, I'm not doing anything today. I'm just not, you know. And this just goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, that, uh, you know, we read the paper, we see, okay, we, we'll see that, okay, over the weekend, uh, we had what, we going to talk about Chicago. We can go, what, 12, 20 shootings, 12, 12. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and you being in the business, I mean, you're actually seeing, you see, you see the end result of this. Mm-hmm. You, see, right. you see, you see, you see puncture wounds, and you see the results. You see the, the accident victims, and you know, and uh, that's why we really want to get you on to talk about the psychological perspective and the psychological side of this thing. And and you know, you answered a few things in saying what you do to re- for relaxation as far as the comedy. You, you mm-hmm. have to find you some type of balance instead of just coming home from that and uh, having a drink and getting butter, and then falling into a you know even and, and you know start thinking of these things in a depressive, uh, from a depressive perspective, and uh, instead you you find comedy right. as a balance to that. And that's interesting. That's 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 cool. Well, I, I will speak on, because uh, I tell you, some of the heaviest uh, cases that I've had were, were in Chicago. And, um, and, you know, back in the 90s, I think I got back in Chicago from 93 to 99. And that was a real bad period, man. I mean, it was just so many murders going on then, and it was just so ridiculous. And and I mean, and and I was embalming, you know, youngsters like sixteen, seventeen, and it was just so numerous. And and a couple, about three cases really stand out. Um, there was one case. He, this one young kid, was shot about seventeen times. There was another Damn. kid that was shot about 18 times. And then there was another kid that was shot eight times in the head. And, and you know, I started thinking, I'm like, man, what is the killer thinking about when you shooting somebody 18 times or you shooting them eight times in the head? What are you, what are they thinking about? You know, what, what do these people look like that's doing this killing? And, yeah. you know, it, it was just, it just boggled my mind and it bothered me. To the point that that you know our young people don't even know who they are, you know. And and you know I met this rapper. He did a song, and it was a tight song, man. And it was a song about uh, you know the little warfare in the community, and it came to came and, and it all came to a head when one guy shot and killed another guy. But then after he killed him, he found out that that was his brother. Oh. And. And you know it it it's it's the thing that you know we're doing all of this stuff in the community, and a lot of it is is to no good i mean what you know it and I would just think, man, what in the hell are we doing? We're just killing each other, shooting each other down like nothing it just it and it just didn't make sense to me bro and you know, and that bothered me and and you know and and it I was always cautious, you know 'cause chicago it's been it's been a murder capital since the twenties. But when it comes to our neighborhood, to me that's serious, and it yeah. just—I just did not see, you know, how that could really fit into all the things that our people have suffered and died for. We shooting each other down like dogs. That's sad to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can imagine. And like we we talked at the picnic, and I said, uh, and I'm I'm definitely going to uh, intend to come. 
to Vegas because I'm gonna, I want I, I want to uh, go through a day with you. I'm gonna sure. hang with you for a no day, problem. and uh, no I'm serious. And uh, grabble me before the year is out. Uh, we'll work it out, and uh, I'm gonna come out there, and then uh, and I, I just want to ex- experience a day in the life from from your perspective. Mm-hmm. You're more than welcome, brother. More than welcome. Oh, I, oh, I will. I'll come back and I'll, I'll share it. I'll share it with the audience and uh, discuss yeah. it. And you know, because I'm sure it's going to give me a, a whole different point of view, perspective, uh, some getting used to, and so forth. I, you know, it, but it's something that I'm uh, committed to do. I'm going to do it. No doubt about it. Yeah, you know this. this you know this. This kind of this kind of profession. I mean, it's, it's not something. That somebody wakes up one day and says, "Oh yeah, I want to be a mortician." Nah, yeah, it don't happen yeah. like that. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you got to, you know, you got to really want to do it. It's not something, you know. Yeah, I think I want to, you know, drive a cab or something like, you know, that you can. But this is something totally different, man. It's, yeah. You know, and and I tell you, man, it's just and and I remember and and I remember, you know, embalming people that I know. And oh, really? that's kind of tough. Yeah, that's kind of tough, yeah. man. That was a guy who was an organist at the funeral home that I worked at in Chicago, and uh, he passed away. And I just seen that brother a couple of days earlier, and it's like, come on, man. <laughs> you know? yeah. But that's yeah, how I... it is, man. You know, even the mortician is going to need a mortician one day. So that's just part of life, Brother Keith. Now, I know you have a daughter that's, that, that you said, a doctor in Baltimore. Any of your other kids in, in, the, in the profession? Uh no, uh, uh my son he's a uh he teaches school he teaches at uh UIC he's a professor over there uh oh, Dr. Really? Jeremiah okay. yeah all right and um and my daughter my other daughter's there in Chicago and then my son my my other son he's an attorney up in uh in Detroit so they all doing well man and I I, I always wanted them to be morticians uh but their mom who was my wife. She was, you know, she would say, "I don't want my kids wearing black shoes." But we were like eighteen, nineteen years old then, you know, talking that. So, you know, we really didn't know much. But that, but that was my thought even at that time, man. That's what I wanted to do, you know. And uh, it just it just came it just came to fruition, brother. It just came to fruition for me. Yeah, I, I had yes, thought sir. about it at one time, and I said, "Well, the, the problem I had was, and I, now if every if every situation was came via natural causes." Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I got this. But see, no, it ain't like that because you're dealing with accidents. You're dealing with, uh, you know, uh, other uh, unfortunate situations that are just not natural, and that's a whole mm-hmm. different uh, psychology. I'm sure that you have to get used to. I can imagine. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah, and and you know, and and it all kind of came home to me when my father died in 1990, and that's kind of what brought me back to Chicago, and and my brother, you know, he was telling me be strong. And and I think I started empathizing for people because I used to tell people that be strong, be strong, you know. And and when my brother told me to be strong, you know, at when we went to see my dad, I wanted to knock his teeth out. And because yeah. my thought was, how can you tell me to be strong at the weakest moment of my life? And so, mm-hmm. brother Keith, I never I never tell anybody to be strong anymore. I just. You know, if I have to counsel them, I'll just ask them, hey, what are you thinking? You know, what's on your mind? You know, and, and people will talk, you know, but to tell them to be strong, I think, is an injustice to people because it, that does not give you give us a chance to vent, 
the feelings that we feel because that's somebody that we love and you telling me to be strong, don't cry, don't think about this or that, that to me that's unfair to tell somebody who just lost a loved one. It is. And I, I think that people say that because they, they end up because they don't because they don't know what to say. They just don't exactly. know. Exactly. Well you know and, my uh, mom taught me, man, if you don't know what to say, just shut up. Don't say nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. You know, just say hey, I am here with you, you got my support or something like that, but you can't tell a person uh, you can't you can't try to adjust their sensitivities. You know that's not yeah. that's not proper. Some people, some people can take it as an insult and being too and, really insensitive also. And and I'm gonna tell you, man. At, at the time my father uh, passed away, I wasn't married. I was living in Texas. I was living in Houston. And and the girl I was dating at the time, she flew up to Chicago to be with me, and I didn't even know she was coming. And so I had to go downtown for something. We went downtown. We were catching the the L. The you know. And she started talking to me about, well, what about our relationship? I'm like, what? And, man, the train was coming, and I had a quick thought to push her in front of the train. <laughs> Somebody would have had a case, huh? I'm telling you. But, you know, you just you know, you just don't bother people, you know, when they're going through like that. You know, you just got to let them experience it and support them. And, you know, like you said, let them know, hey, I'm a shoulder for you if you need me. I'm here, you know. So now, do, you, do, you, do, do you network? Do you network with the other morticians? Do you all have like a uh, a group that who understands you know uh, what you all do and you know kind of have a little support group? I'm looking for that you know. Do you oh get yeah, with oh, guys? yeah. You got your own thing. Oh yeah, man. Uh, there, you know, just a, a little brief history. There's a, a group called the National Funeral Directors Association. That's the white group, and I'm, I'm just saying it like I'm saying. I'm not being offensive to anybody. Mm-hmm. And so, and so when they started their group, they wouldn't let the black morticians in. And so the black morticians oh, developed the group. Yeah, the black morticians developed uh, developed a group called the uh, National Funeral Directors and Morticians Association. So that's the group I associate with, and they have meetings every uh, uh, annual meeting every year and things like that. I think that I think the uh the, the black association is about seventy eight years old now, something like that. And so mm-hmm. those are the meetings I go to and you know, I still have friends in Texas, still have friends in Chicago. You know, sometimes we chop it up, we laugh and talk, you know, because we can talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? Right, but you right. know, some of the exactly. things we talk about we can't talk about to somebody else. But we can right. talk, you know, we right. can talk to each other. So that's the kind of support group that I guess you could say we have in in that aspect. And then there's some learning and some, you know, and some uh, what they call it, continuing education. You know, all of that is is built into the organization as well. So, you know, that's the the support group that that we foster with that. Now, one thing, uh, we talked about at Picnic also, we were talking about music. Uh, I guess that's the people say, damn, you go from here to that? Well, yeah, we are because it's a part of Brother Leon Candy, Candy Leon Great. Uh, right. Now, are, are you are you still involved? Are you are you still doing anything with music? I know you mentioned that your brother was had a couple of hits out there that people uh, uh, had heard of. You want to let them know what those are? Yeah, uh, my brother, his name is Zane Zane Gray, and uh, he started out in Chicago. Man, I mean, he uh, started out with Jerry Butler, uh, Curtis Mayfield, uh, Leroy Hudson. And uh, they were great influences on on his life, and uh, he went on to be a staff writer with RCA, and he moved out to California, 
And uh, he wrote a hit uh, uh, that you, you may have heard uh, called "Back in Love Again" by LTD. And oh, yeah. uh, then he wrote, yeah, then he wrote another one, uh, "Never Had a Love Like This" by Tavares. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had another one, uh, "Hey Mr. DJ." So those are, those are the three big ones that I could that I that come that come to the top. And he was a, a great influence to me as well. He's a wonderful lyricist. And uh, when I moved out here to to Vegas about ten years ago, kind of away from the hustle and bustle of Chicago, and it's like three hundred days of sunshine a year out here, man. You got to come back, brother. <laughs> but uh, the best time to come is between October and and May. But when I came out here, my mind started relaxing, and I started writing a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, and 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 found a guy that would that would sing that would that would do it for me. And uh, we got one song out. It's, it's on cdbaby.com, and uh, the brother's name is Reggie Gonzalez, and the name of the song is called My Moment. And uh, my brother Zane wrote the hook on that song. And uh, you know, and so that, and you know, when I first when I first told him about it, I, I sent it to him. He said, "Yeah, man, I listened to it. Go on and send it to me." And then a couple of days later, he called me. He said, "Hey, man, that's a hell of a song you got there." And so we start working with it, you know, like that. So I've written about, you know, about two about two hundred songs, but you know, I'm still working with it, man. This is it's a slow business, and you know, being well, on where, my daily grind. Huh? Go ahead, brother. No, where can we go? To, where, how can I hear this song, brother? Is it uh, YouTube? What's that? What's that website again? Where can I pull it up? And it's maybe on, I, I can play it. Let people hear it. It's on cdbaby.com. Cdbaby.com. Uh, right, com. Okay. And uh, the name of the song is called My Moments. Okay. okay. And the singer is Reggie Gonzalez. He's the, he's the artist. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. My Moments, yeah, on cdbaby.com. And, you know, it's no. like 99 cents, you know, if you want to buy it. I hope everybody listening buys it. That'll be good. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to go on there and, you know, I'll be on there get that. No doubt about it, brother. If any, any others, uh, let me know. And, you know, the song, is, you know, it's about, you know, I was going through some things one time and hadn't contacted my kids. They were calling me. I wasn't returning the calls back or nothing like that. And when I finally got my head out of my butthole, I, I called them back and I'm like, hey, I apologize. I was just going, I was just having a moment. And I'm like, whoa. And I started, and that's that's how the song came about. That's how the song you know, came about. Right. Yeah. We all have our moments. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's part of it right there. So everybody yes, that is CD, cdbaby.com. The name of the song is My Moment. Uh, let's go on there and let's support Brother Candy Gray. Yes, sir. Come yes, on, sir. let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. Can't hurt nothing. Yes, sir. It's all about network. Yes, man, sir. Man, Brother Candy, yes, I tell you, man, I, I, I really appreciate and I really appreciate you, appreciate you being patient. I, I know I texted you earlier, and I said, it looks like, Brother Candy, I'm going to have to have you on first. Uh, Mark Gordon, mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard from him, but then next thing I know, Mark is calling. So you hung in there, and you came on, and I, I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. I, Keith, I appreciate you, man, and you're doing a great job, and this is a wonderful, wonderful outlet that you have, brother, and, and and I'm going to tell people to, to listen to you, man, and let's get this word out, and maybe next you'll get a TV show. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, well if that, that happens fine, but I tell you what, you know what? I, I, if, if I only do South Shore Towers for life, man, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I hear you, my brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 I'm okay. Anything else is just, just good old gravy, but I'm, I'm straight. Okay, there's, yes, I, there's, a few callers that, there's a few callers that are on. 
I don't know if they have a question because they haven't hit the number one. Uh, okay. If they don't, I assume that they're just listening. But if anybody, because we're coming down to the end of the show, if anybody has a question uh, for Brother Candy or, or Common or whatever, uh, hit that number one so I'll know it, and, and we can get you on real quick before we hit the end of the show. If not, yes, I appreciate you all tuning in and listening. And uh, what Amen. I'm going to do is uh, give Brother Candy, if he got one more in him, if he can give us a little closing statement before we uh, call it the show. Um, well, you know, I tell you, man, I, I think one of the big things now is is it seems like we're concerned about our youth, uh, our young men and our young women. And my concern is that uh, about our young men, that I, I don't think our young men are really stepping up to achieve to the fullest. And, and you know, I, I just want to impress upon our young men and our young women to be somebody that you can admire. And you may not be as smart as the next person, may not be as big or strong as the next person, but don't ever let anybody outwork you. You know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's just something that, that cannot be allowed. And, and throughout our history, we were workers. I mean, we know how to work. But something happened, Brother Keith. I don't know what happened, whereas we just kind of got this, this thing, well, you know, you know, I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, I don't know. You know, nobody knows whatever. And But we have to be industrious. And uh, I'd like to see us get back into business and try to support each other as best we can. And if it's something that we don't like about a black business owner, go and tell that black business owner. Don't go, you know, spread his name out in the street so nobody else will go to him. But yeah. go tell him yeah. or her and, and give them a chance to, to rectify the situation and make it good, you know, or if not open up a business that they, that they're doing and do better. So, but Hey man, I just have love for my people, uh, love for my Tars. You know, we go way back, man. And, uh, I just, I'm just very thankful for this opportunity, brother Keith. And, and I tell you, uh, on the mortuary field, we need more women in the, in the field as well. So if there's any sisters out there that's listening, want to get into the mortuary field, Check it out, because we need you. And if you all have any questions, I'm sure that uh, Brother Candy wouldn't mind you all. And you text him a message on Facebook, and uh, I've known him like I do, Brother Candy. I know you don't have no problem uh, responding. No, sir. Is that... Not at all. all. right. Not at all. You know me. Yeah, you reach out. <laughs> exactly. Reach out to Candy Gray, and you can, go, you can search the name, and you can go, if you're friends with me, search my friends list, look for Candy Gray, and uh, friend up with him, and uh, if you have any question about the field, or if, if you have services coming up or need advice, then I'm sure Brother Candy would have no problem helping. Not, not at all, man. No problem at all. Because, you know, a lot of people don't know exactly what the first move is when a death occurs. So I would be exactly. more than happy to, to help people exactly. out on that. No problem at all, right. brother. If, if, no you problem. think you're being scammed, you think you're being scammed, make that contact. Get, 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 some, real, get some real answers. Brother Candy, man, I appreciate you calling, uh, coming on the show. Like I say, yes, uh, we'll be keeping in touch, and I will definitely be seeing you soon in Las Vegas. We're gonna, I'm going to make this happen, brother. You take care of yourself, All right, man. Brother. Spread the love. Hey, man, you as well, Keith, and keep on being strong, my brother. I love you, man. Thank, thanks. Likewise, brother. Talk with you later now. All right. All right, now. Take care, Bucky. All right. And on I that note, him. I'm going to close with, in the name of, whomever, or whatever, your spiritual power, 
peace and good night.
you have been listening to We Are Everyday People Global Internet Network. Good night.